0: This week on pre-med possibilities, I spoke with Dr. Larry Kramer, an osteopathic ENT surgeon at Mainline Health. My first question for you is just when you were, I guess it's like kind of the beginning of like growing up in middle school, high school, did you have any idea of like medicine as a possible job? And then um, how what was that like for you?
1: So everyone, everyone has their story. So my, my dad was a family doctor. Um um, most people in my family were doctors or lawyers. Uh, significant amount yep. of doctors. Several several uncles. So I can remember back when I was probably ten, my dad would say, "Hell, when you grow up, you'll become a doctor. You'll make a nice living. You'll be your own boss." And I'm right. like, "Okay, you know." So it's like I, I heard about it for such, such a such a young age. I was like, "Okay." You know, so I, I guess I kind of knew if you asked me back in, you know, elementary school or middle school, I, you know, when they ask you that question, what are you going to do when you grow up? Uh, and I and I actually still have that picture from sixth grade, and it says doctor. So I've known yeah. for, you know, I knew for a long time that's what I wanted to do. So it just kind of, you know, that was my path. Um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, kn- known for a long time um, about that.
0: And how was it? in college, once you got there, kind of figuring out, I'm, I'm sure the pre-med requirements were kind of different.
1: So, so I, I was, you know, I was, a, I was always kind of very motivated. I, I, I wanted to do well. Yep. Getting, getting to, to college, you know, it was, it was competitive. I went to Penn state, um, It's a huge school. You have to basically teach yourself. I mean, I I had you know like 500 people in you know your beginning science classes and stuff. So oh my God. going to the TA, it was it was just very, it was very large, but that actually yeah. made it better for me going forward because medical school, you you're kind of teachers professors were there, but they're not really, they don't really they don't you have to fend for yourself. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So I I found that study groups you know worked really well for that. Um, so along the way of becoming a doctor nothing really sort of you know threw me off yep. um you know I I'm, I was I I picked classes that I kind of knew that would been would have been a little bit easier cuz I didn't need you know engineering uh physics yep. uh I yep. you know I didn't so why why take that um yep. not do So I, I I tried yeah I tried to pick and choose what was going to be best because the the upsetting thing about it is a lot of the classes you take and you struggle with and you get upset about and you don't really need going forward, um, yeah. so it's kind of disappointing in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you so I, for certain classes
0: and later on it's like, oh,
1: uh-huh. yeah, you didn't you didn't need to kill yourself for that. Um, yeah, and that's even more more pertinent going as you get into medical school. But what I what I as look, looking back. On colleges, I was not really a, a very efficient studier. So I, I studied, I studied for time, not for learning, because I thought if you studied more, you would do better, and that was not right. the case. Um, so I think what I would say to people going through this is, you know, if you really, if you're going to go through medical school, you don't have to take all these. You need the you need the basic classes. You're, you you yeah. get so focused in college that you you miss out on a lot of things. Um, you need your basic classes, and you can be you can be any major. Um, yeah. to Go to medical school. Um, so that was one thing that I had I learned, that, and once I got to medical school, I became a much more efficient studier. Um, and for me, I I'd always studied by myself, um, but when I got to school, medical school, I found studying with groups because someone else saw the same equation in a different way. And I was like, oh, yeah. that, that's easier. I can remember that. So that that to mm-hmm. me is very, very helpful by finding the, the right people to study with.
0: Yeah,
1: just being able um,
0: to exchange ideas and kind of. I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a, it's a, it's you know you can divide and conquer and you can get different views on the same thing and um, it's I think it was very very helpful and then you can commiserate and um, yeah go through you know the hell together uh, which yep. makes it makes it easier a um, so nothing time. really through. Threw me off the path, um, like you know, blood never bothered me, and so I, I just kept going. Um, I guess yeah. if it threw me off the path, I would have found something else to do. Um, yeah, but uh, I stayed on straight on the straight and narrow.
0: And I know that you mentioned to me that you went to osteopathic medical school and then osteopathic residency, right?
1: Right. So my my most people in my family were osteopaths, so. For people who don't know what osteopathic medicine is, a um, uh, uh, doctor, his name was Andrew Taylor still. He was an, actually an, an an MD in allopath who started osteopathic school because at that time, and we're talking, you know, around the Civil War, the right. only way to treat things was, was with medicine. So his yeah. idea and concept was, you know, the body can heal itself. Uh, and through right. osteopathic manipulation, your body can heal yourself and cure diseases and everything else. Mm-hmm. So when my dad was going through school, you know, osteopaths were looked at as quacks. Like he had to like yeah. sneak into Grand Rounds, at temple with his buddies, because they won't let him in. Um, wow. This is going back, you know, in in, in the, you know, he, he graduated medical school in 1951 and practiced for 50 mm-hmm. years. So this was back in, you know, different times. Um, right. So... For me, if you ask me why I went to osteopathic school, I did well in college. I mean, my grades were probably a three three, but they weren't a three eight or three nine. Um, and I probably would have had a very much I would have had a much more difficult time getting into allopathic school. I knew osteopathic medicine from my dad, so I was happy to do that. Um, and for me, for me, it did it didn't make a difference. I mean, and again, now. Jumping forward to 2021, it's a completely different world. I mean, I'm telling you stories right. that are you know are dated, but it was a different time back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it just the the end result is you become a doctor. Um, there are osteopathic residencies in most specialties. That there are MD residencies, and today there's there's no real difference. Um, so I just I think it gives you more opportunities, and if you want to be a family doctor and treat people in a non, well, not non-traditional, but more of a holistic manner, that's where osteopathic medicine sort of has its role. Um, For Mm -hmm. me, as an ear, nose, and throat doctor, it doesn't really have a role in that respect.
0: Um, So when you were in osteopathic osteopathic medical school, was there, there was, was it like the same kind of basic classes that you had to take? And then I think third and fourth year starting to do rounds at hospitals or was it more focused? on Okay. Yeah, so, looking
1: at the no, before. so the, the, no, the curriculum was the same. The first two years are, you know, your basic sciences. And um, and then you start your rotations, you know, third and fourth year, but we had, you know, a class every semester in, you know, osteopathic treatments and learned how to do manipulation and that type of stuff. So we had the same exact stuff, except, except for some extra training in osteopathic uh, manipulation, which at the time, and again, again, I grew up with that. So when I was, when I'd be studying in medical school, my neck hurt. I would drive down to yep. my dad's office and he, he cracked me like an accordion and I'd, <laughs> I'd walk out like, you know, I like run out of there. But I, I got cobbled in there. So and skipping. there a, you know, my God, it was like, I can't move. And, you know, my dad had these huge big hands and he was tall and he, turn over, put your head down. And I'd be like, oh, my God, this is great. I can walk. Um, and then I, I said, I'll see you next week. So I used to come down and uh, I used to pick up my allowance, you know. my dad, I, was, I was very fortunate. My dad paid for my school, which was at that time to go to school. So my whole medical degree from tuition and living was basically $25,000 a year. So it was $100,000. Which is not oh cheap, but compared yeah. to today's world, it's very cheap. Yeah. So I used to come down the first of the month. Used to give me my allowance, and I, I didn't spend any money. I was studying, and so I kind of like made money through medical school because I saved it all. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a good. Was, I was very fortunate. It was it was a good deal for me. Um, but those treatments basically got me through. You know, hours and hours of studying because he rejuvenated my spine in, in a matter of yeah. five minutes. So that was a, a perk that I had.
0: That's incredible. Um, I'm curious about, so the osteopathic manipulation, is that just more focused on kind of what your dad did to you in terms of like bones or like the alignment or things like that? Or was it different? So it's
1: more to, more towards the, the alignment of the spine helps to create, helps to uh, re- regulate your body. So if the the spine is out of line and then the nerve is out of line, you get pain down your shoulder. Um, right. You know, there's other other concepts like lymphatic drainage and other things, other techniques, which sort of get very very esoteric. Um, but generally, for most of the time, for family doctors who were doing osteopathic medicine, it was just um, manipulation of your back and and keeping your back in line, so you you can walk right and 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 feel good. So that he did a, he, right. as a family doctor, he did a lot of that. Um, but there's there's you know those are the basic concepts for you know a holistic approach to medicine,
0: right, and so how was um osteopathic uh residency for you so you had you' had done medical school you'd gone to the end, and were there a lot of choices for you in terms of residencies and where you could go
1: so um the, no, so the, again, the choices aren't as as many as allopathic because there's many more allopathic schools and and spots, but there' residencies and whatever I mean. For me, I, I kind of I realized what I didn't want to do. Yep. So people people Depends ask me how there. do you decide so people say how do you decide you wanted to be ENT? So I, I it's very simple. There's a hundred things, you know. So I said I didn't want to be a psychiatrist, you know, I don't want to yeah. sit in a room and look at things all day. I don't want to be a radiologist. I don't wanna yep. be look at dead bodies. Uh so that you can go through it. I don't want to look a baby. So you go through that, you start your list off and then you don't you eliminate lots of things, so now your list goes from a hundred to sixty, yeah. and then yep. then you have to make a decision. Do you want to be a surgeon, or you, do you want to be an internist? Mm-hmm. To me, being an internist was like a horrible thought. Like I'm gonna look at people's numbers all day long and listen to their heart where I can't even hear anything, and and yeah. sit around and look. At that. So that to me was like, oh my god, I can't do that. So. Yeah. There you go. There's thirty, thirty more things down the tube. So now you go from a hundred <laughs> to to thirty. So then you yeah. decide you want to be a surgeon. Okay, so my opinion is, surgery different, different, um, um, residencies and different types of medicine attract different type of people. So, except probably for your dad, general surgeons are, are miserable because general surgery is miserable. You know, heart surgeons are very. You know, brain surgeons are very. You know, pompous. You know, you know, it's a different type of personality. That so is when exactly you get down what to
0: my dad described when he was,
1: you know, to grow, he so, like,
0: you know There's I, no way to be a heart surgeon. Uh, uh-uh, uh I can't deal with those egos.
1: You know, and again, I, I think for that specialty, it, that's what you need. I mean, if you're going to be a brain yeah. surgeon, you know, you, you got to. You know, so you that, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. So to me, when you know when you look at orthopedics, ENT, and urology, they're sort of all similar. And I did these different things, and I was like, oh, this, this is cool. I like ENT. And then you do it again, and you're like, hey, I like this. So that's how I came to what I you – know, I, I eliminated a lot, and then I knew I wanted to be a surgeon, and then I found ENT. So that's where I landed.
0: And how was – how long is the residency program for? Um, so you do you,
1: you um, do a first year of general surgery and then it's five years of E N. So by training, I'm an uh, otorhinolaryngologist, head neck surgeon, facial plastic surgeon. So we get training in all three of those disciplines. So the good thing about ENT anti- is over the over, over the, the five, five years.
0: Period. Okay.
1: Um, you can do a fellowship after that if you want to do more. Head neck surgery or ear surgery. Um, um, there's something called rhinology, which is sinuses. So you can do sort of sub specialties. Um, but yep. the good thing about ENT is, it, is a lot of a lot of things you can do, and then you can sort of pick and choose what you like and what you don't like, and you can focus on certain things and not focus on other things. I mean, what what's important? Like my dad used to always say, you have to listen to people. Because People come in, and if you sit there and and give them a minute, most of the time, if they're unless they're a, a babbler, whether you get some people who are, they tell you what's going on. If you listen yeah. to them and then you examine them, you're going to figure out what's going on. So it's important to listen. You have to you have to realize you know what what you don't know. I mean, a lot of doctors are I think are afraid to say, oh, I don't know that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's, it's, okay, it's okay not to know that. We can't know everything. Um, so you have to, I always say to my patients, if I can't help you, I will get you to someone who can. And people, right. I think that people appreciate that. They're, 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 they 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 want to get better. This is about them, not you. Some doctors, it's all about them. Yeah. I always tell people, I, I'm here to help you. I'm here to ask, answer your questions. If you come to yeah. me and I can't answer your questions, then what did I really do for you? This is about you. So you know you have to answer the you have to be able to be able to communicate with them and answer their questions and, and listen. Yes, to know when to direct direct them, and because people will talk about things that are totally unrelated to why they're there, but that's okay. Yeah. That, that's you learn that you learn that with time and style, and um, if you listen and get them to the right place, if you can't help them, people are are very are very happy. Um, and the other thing about it, medicine is like. You, you, you go through school, you go through residency, and you like you can't wait to get out. As, mm-hmm. as a surgeon, a surgeon, it takes you years to you really feel confident. You know, as a resident, you know there's always someone, someone there. Or, you know, you're not the last train stop. There's always someone above you. But once you graduate and you're an attending, and you're oh my god, I'm making so much money. And I'm uh, you're still you know, there's it. It took me about I don't know ten years. You know, so you really feel like you know I'm confident. You have to act confident along the way, um, I was say, and how do you feel
0: like with not being confident and kind of during those ten during that ten year period, learning as you go, but being like, oh my, like I have to deal with this, and also like I'm not so too, super confident in myself, but I have to I have to be confident
1: for these, well, people these people. Need my help. You 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 have to you have to portray again. You you learn you learn more. In you know your first two years of being out, then you learn you know in all of your residency, because again you're the end stop, and you know there's no one there to help you. You're you're your, your, yourself, so you have to think differently and think critically and rely on your your past experiences and all these things. And again, as you do it, the more and more you do it, you know these things sort of like click into place. But you you just have to you know keep your cool and. Think about all the you know as surgeons you're trained to always think about like what's the worst thing that's gonna happen because if it happens, you're ready for it you know if you're not thinking about that, then it's a surprise, so you know we're trained to think you know what what's what can go south and things can go south you know really quick, but if you're ready for it, that's how you build up your confidence but it yeah. does, does definitely does take um a while um and I've been doing this for, for Including residency almost thirty years that's a long time um, it's a long time, and you know and I'm you know it's 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 a it's an evolution which is you know can't you can't rush that
0: yeah, I was gonna say, I just realized that i I'd, I'd never asked anyone before, but how is it so you've gone you do the residency, you do all of that, and you get to be a doctor, but then once you get to be a doctor you still have your boards and you have this like ever-changing world of medicine that new new research comes out every few years and changes the way that people think about medicine how is that kind of going from where Um, you started to now what's changed and how do you deal with that
1: well I mean you you know it's well your boards you know you 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 when you're doing your first you know your 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 finished residency and then you have you know Um, you know, a year or two and then you have to study for your board. So it's miserable because you're working and trying to get started in your practice. And if you have young kids, I mean, you're like working like crazy and studying and then you get through it. Um, And then you just have to set aside time to go to courses and conferences and, you know, you pick your favorite journal and and whatever. And I mean, with technology that's become much easier. You can listen to podcasts, you can listen to videos, you can sort of keep up. You can't keep up with everything, in all aspects of ear, nose, and throat. It's just, it's just impossible. Yeah. I mean, it's a full-time job. So you get to picking. You know, I mean, we, we do a lot of allergy. Um, we do a lot of sinus surgery. So we kind of pick and choose the things that we see the most because that's what we're dealing with the most and yeah. stay up to date with, with those things. Um, the technology has definitely changed. Change. Yeah, I mean, there's certain techniques that are, have that are been around for, you know, 80 years and haven't changed, and there's other techniques with, I've been of computers and cameras and image guidance systems, which have changed um which makes things much easier for us and safer for for patients so um that that's that's not not too bad you have, you have to dedicate some time to it, but it's not not too hard to keep up, especially with technology today
0: mhm, and the other thing that I had read about osteopathic medicine was that there's a lot more hands on training with the musculoskeletal system uh what what was that? Did you have that experience?
1: So so in in school we that those, those are the extra extra class classes in osteopathic manipulation that we get. But again, yeah. as as a subspecialist, that doesn't really help me um, as far as ENT stuff. So you know more for the internist or family practice doctor. That's um, but again, even with today and doctors are forced to see more people and less time. You know, osteopathic mani- manipulation is sort of you know it's kind of a dying, dying art. There are mm-hmm. there are some doctors that only practice that. You know, it's for people who are in accidents and have arthritis. But um, the vast majority of, of people who go to osteopathic school do not practice that. It's just not practical.
0: Hmm. And for you, being an ENT and having this more holistic view of the body and how the body works together, have you like? Is it kind of? does it allow you to see patients in a different way? Kind of they're coming in with an issue, but you look kind of at them as a whole and see if there are other areas that they might be struggling with. Uh,
1: um, uh, uh, in certain things. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I don't like medicines I mean, I don't like to use medicine. Certain things we have to, but I try to offer um, my patients, you know, alternative therapies for sinus infections, you know, with different types of rinses and coconut oil and things that, that, you know, have worked for other things in the past. So I, I try to incorporate that incorporate that as much as possible opposed to just throwing um, you know, medicines at them. Um right. it's limited to some degree, but yeah, I can get I can get some patients better without traditional medicines, yes.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other questions. I guess this is really awesome. I'd never really heard about osteopathic medicine until you had emailed me before our call today and I looked it up and I'd never heard about it but it seems really really interesting it seems like a really great way to get into medicine and a different way to kind of get where you are.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it gives it gives people more options. I mean um and there's, there's a lot more osteopathic schools now than there were in the past. Um they've grown but I mean as far as residencies and choices I mean you can pretty much do whatever you want through the osteopathic way, you know, a uh, school also. Um so I mean like when I started I was the first osteopathic surgeon at Phoenixville Hospital. So if you don't know where Phoenixville is, it's you know right through Valley Forge Park, ten minutes from King yeah. of Prussia. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, at one time was the country. You know, it was like uh, you know, all farms. You know, and I went up there and this was in nineteen ninety 1990, nineteen ninety seven, which wasn't that long ago, you know, I was the first osteopathic surgeon, you know, on their staff. Yeah. Um so it was, you know, again that wasn't that long ago, but t- to me being an osteopathic, I mean, I wanted to do ENT. So ENT is a very selective residency. So the the being at the school I was at and then knowing everyone at the residency, I had a much greater chance of getting in because they knew me. Um applying to um, you know, Temple or UPenn or whatever where there's six slots and there's 600 people applying, your yeah. odds are much lower. Uh, I was in this place where there could have been, you know, 20 people applying for two slots versus, you know, 600. So right. for me, it worked out, you know, well in that that respect. My training was very solid. You know, we rotated through different places, Temple. We had rotations in, in Buffalo, New York, uh, MCP, which is a hospital, which is no longer around. Um, so we had some, you know, really solid rotations. So I, I got a good – good, um, you know, training. And then when you get out and practice, you know, you can sort of pick what you want to do and things that are they're that not fun or interesting. And, you know, you say, hey, you're better served being at a university because they do a better job. And you can mm-hmm. refer people down for stuff that you don't want to do and they can choose the stuff you do want to do. Yeah. Which is so guess- good about being in a city, near a city. Yeah.
0: Oh, so, like... Be just having more going on that you can have access to.
1: Exactly. I think you, know, you yeah. know, certain things, certain big head and neck tumors are better treated at a big institution. Now we when I first started, you know, when you first start residency when you first graduate, you're like, I can do anything, you know, you, yeah. you have this 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 you know this R like, hey I can do that. I read this in the book. I can do it. And and you do it for yeah. for, for, for many for many years when I started with my partner we did everything, you know, we'd, we'd go in, we'd do it. We were there until 10 o'clock at night, exhausted, and we, we did stuff. And then, yep. you know, you, f- you feel good, and that helps to build your confidence, um, yep. which is, you know, really, really good. And then after years of doing that, you're like, huh, oh, this is, you know, this is not as easy as it used to be. And you pick and choose. I remember when I, I went for a job interview, and I was talking to this guy. This is in Long Island. And we, we're, mm-hmm. I was asking about the hospital and this and that, and he's like, "Well, I don't do tracheostomies in, in anymore." I was probably twenty, no, I was probably thirty. This guy who seemed older probably wasn't that old. was probably fifty, you know. So he'd been in practice for twenty years, and I'm thinking to myself, "What kind of ear, nose, and throat doctor are you? Well, you don't do tracheostomies, or you know." So I'm like, "Oh my god!" I was like, you know, offended yeah you know and i you know and and you know now jump forward me twenty years later i I understood that because it it takes time, it throws your day off it you know it t- it's a lot of other things so i I didn't see those things back at the time, and that's the good thing about e n t is you can most of our stuff is office space, but we do some hospital work, but if you want to do e n t and only do head neck tumors and do that stuff all day long, you get a job at one of the universities. Mm-hmm. You, you want to work in the suburbs and you want to do less of that. So you have, there's a lot of, lot of versatility in, in what we do, which is, which is, I, I the diversity is good. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's crazy how your, your ideals change with time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Starting out, like, so for example, so what were your kind of, so starting out, you wanted to do everything and then eventually you were like, this is exhausting. I can't, I can't,
1: well, it's it's, exa- it's exhausting. You know, you, again, the, the things they don't teach you in medical school are lots of things. Well, first of all, they, you, you do a lot of classes that you don't need when, you, when you're when you done. The mm-hmm. curriculum, I think, should be more focused on, you know, what you're going to do and running a practice and, and and doing the other things besides medicine because it's, it's just not that simple. It's like, hey, you have to – get everyone in your office. You have to be organized. You have to be on time. You have to be able to pay your bills. There's lots of things going on. They don't teach you in medical school. So yeah. when you get out on your own, you have all these things to do. Well, And plus, you have to be a doctor too. Yeah. That has gotten much worse in the past 10, 15 years because of, you know, lots of people working for hospitals and HMOs and different insurance things and cost cutting. So it's, you know, these are the things they don't teach you in medical school, um, which Mm -hmm. they, they should, because I think most young people coming out now want to work for a hospital. You know, my dad's, my dad's generation, if you go to medical school, you you graduate, you open your own office, you're, you're, you're in private practice, you work for yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. that tide has changed significantly. That's sort of what I was used to. Um, And I think, Young people today don't want to do that. I mean, mo- most don't, and, I, and I, I guess I can understand it. You know, they want to have families, and this and that. That's so a different, it's a different change in the culture. Um, yeah. But it, when I first started, I I was I left my house, you know, before seven. I get home at eight o'clock, you know, so I wouldn't see my kids in the morning, and I wouldn't see them at night because they were asleep. You know, that I needed to do that because I needed to start my practice and get things going. You know, and after a while, you sort of you know, change your, your, your ideals change and your desires change. And then, you know, so that, that, that's an evolving process. Um, I think the problem with working with the hospital is, you know, you can get fired, you know, they can, here's your contract. Well, we found someone else who can do it, you know, for cheaper. So there you go. So you don't get a lot of security, you know, right. ha- being in private practice, you're your own boss. You make your own hours. You have, you know, a lot more autonomy, some people like that. Some people don't. So it really depends, you know, what what you're – want to do it. Want to do it. I was always in favor of private practice and not really t- having someone else tell me, you know, you know we found someone else that I had a good day. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's, there's different options.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess my final question is just looking back on how you got to where you are, if there was one thing you could tell – your younger self about medicine, about what you've done, what would it be?
1: Um, I think that I, I would tell, well, my younger self, I think I, my younger self and, and people today, people, people always ask me, would you become a doctor again? And and I, 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 I say, yes, the answer is yes. I think mm-hmm. you really have to want, I think you really have to want to do it because it's a lot of time and it was, it's a lot of money. Yeah, that you're you know you're in debt, so you really have to want to do it. And if that those things are okay, then it's it's worthwhile. I mean, I, I enjoy what I do. I have a good rapport with my patients. They I, I make them feel better, so it gives you a lot of you know satisfaction in that respect. I think you just have to sort of model your practice after what you want to do. And now that I'm getting older, I I pick and choose the cases I want to do, which is good. So I'm less stressed, and I want to get home earlier, so I can get home earlier. Um, so I think that gives you a lot of options if you want to work in a hospital, if you want to work in an office, um, there's a lot of good things. So I think it's still, you know, a good, solid career choice. Um, it's just yeah. a, just a long, long road to get there. That's yeah. the only downside. Um, but I, I, I still enjoy being a doctor. Um, I think I just need more time in between I you get burned out you know it's especially you know with covid recently that's definitely has thrown you know a wrench into a lot of doctors lives and careers it's just harder so we'll get through it but overall i think if you if you if you really want to be a doctor and you have the drive um it's a good good profession and you can you know make a nice living and and really be uh, have a fulfilling career so i would definitely still say yes
0: Awesome. Uh, Dr. Kramer, thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome to get to talk to you and hear your perspective and hear how you've gotten to where you are. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. My My pleasure.